Okay, on three, we'll do five. <laughs> Hello, listeners. This is Glenn Oslin. And Infants on Thrones is 10 years old. Now, some of you have been on this ride with me the entire time, and many of you haven't. Regardless, I always appreciate hearing from listeners who have changed over the years, as I've changed and this podcast has changed. We're all always growing from one thing into something else. And it's been an incredible ride. It's still going, of course. But I want to commemorate this 10-year birthday of Infants on Thrones by revisiting some of my favorite infant episodes from the past. And I'll tell you what all of this podcasting has done for me personally. It's made me very interested in mental, emotional, and yes, even spiritual health. This is why I'm in the process of becoming a licensed therapist. It's why I've been working as a life coach for the past few years. And it's why I keep making episodes for this podcast to rewire my own brain, to reshape my own confirmation biases so that I can truly look for the good, so that I can truly put down the weapons that I use against myself, and so that I can intentionally focus on putting more peace, understanding, acceptance, joy, and playfulness into this world as much as I can. Now, if you find this podcast valuable and you'd like to say thank you by donating a few dollars per month, please sign up to support the podcast on Patreon. You can find details on the website, infantsonthrones.com. And if you or someone you love is struggling with severe anxiety, fear, grief, shame, chronic anger, depression, or any mental, emotional, or even spiritual challenges, and you'd like some encouragement, support, and some tools that can help, please reach out to me at infantsonthrones at gmail.com. Let's talk. I am here for you, and it won't cost you a thing. And now, how about a blast from the past with one of my favorite infant episodes from days gone by? Here you go. This is Infants on Thrones. Baby steps. Who wants someone to preach to? The philosophies of men. I like magical toys. Who wants religion to? Mingled with humor. I don't believe in them. There will be many willing to preach to you the philosophies of men mingled with humor. We are evolving. Baby steps. You can buy anything this world of money. the good in everything look for the people who will set your soul free it always seems impossible until it's done look for the good in everyone Tom Perry. Hey, I got wives from past lives all over the place. I just need more wives in this life. That's all. No, I kid. I kid. Glenn Austin. How many sheets to the wind is it? What? Sheets three sheets. It's three sheets to the wind. Yeah, he's he's so he's probably four. I automatically thought of farting and then waving the blanket at my wife's face when you said that. <laughs> no, that's a covered wagon. <laughs> covered. <laughs> so sad that you know what that's called. Matt Long. Matt Long. Abel's lineage lost the priesthood due to Cain killing Abel. So that means what? <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> 
Bob Caswell. Guys, quit trying to answer things that we don't have answers to. Just don't drink coffee and pay me 10%. Randy Snyder. I like when I'm watching TV, like on my couch, just relaxing. I almost never don't have my hand down my pants. (laughs) (laughs) This is Infants on Thrones. Welcome back to Infants on Thrones. Now, a week or so ago, Matt sent us out an email uh, asking that we all get together and talk about the Colob essay. Now, what he meant was the most recent essay on LDS.org, the one about becoming a god. And in this essay, the church explains that, no, Mormons don't really believe that they get their own planet. That's just a widespread caricature of Mormon beliefs. One of many. And while they never mentioned Kolob specifically, if they had, they probably would have said something like, Kolob Shmolob, that's not what we believe. But since they didn't, uh, we did. So what are we, are we going to be talking about the, the planet thing or the Kolob thing? Um, Take it, Matt. Becoming a god. Did, ever, did you guys read the uh, whole 3500 yeah. word was essay? Awesome. I thought it was great. Oh, it, it was, was like reading. It was, you thought it was great. It was like reading fucking like lesson manual. It's so boring. Yeah, it was. Yeah, really they, they do. So, they, with all these essays, what I found the common thing is that they use so many words to say very little. It's just that yeah. it's not a uh, not very good at, at succinct writing and communicating ideas. It's just. It's, it really rings more like somebody who's just trying to write write a paper in school and needs to hit their limits, and so they're just drawing <laughs> kind of the same points out. Yeah, well, well I mean, each each section starts with a question, and in my opinion, most of the time they don't even answer the question. Yeah, our, our Mormons polytheists, and it's like it didn't even really <laughs> touch on polytheism. Yeah, um, but. So here's, I think I think especially I think this one I don't know if are they all the same or is this one was this one more wordy than the others I haven't read this is the only one I've read all the way through uh, the the other ones I thought had a very similar uh, similar feel in in Fluff. Uh, yeah and just how long that was I tried yeah, because, to read the well, DNA one I couldn't get through that one yeah I agree with you I I couldn't I, get through I, that one I knew beforehand I wasn't gonna be able to stomach it so I didn't I didn't read it but this one um, I think. This one was particularly flowery because this is a doctrine that Mormons are kind of a little bit uh, uncomfortable with and a little bit embarrassed with. Really? And it gets character. Yeah, yes. it gets. I, <laughs> do they ever bring it up in the six discussions? You can become a god. Um, but so they always want to contextualize it. And, and I they, did. And, and, and I they did get, when I was a missionary. Yeah, I did too. You did what? That you could become like God. I mean, it was a different. It was a different place because uh, I was talking to Japanese people that didn't even have a background in Christianity. But I, I never, like to to me, I, I didn't find this essay controversial at all. You know, like the the race and the priesthood one. I think that there was controversy all over that one. I thought this one was nice. Well, I, it, like I, I would have stood up and applauded this one um, as a believing Mormon. I thought oh, it was great. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, what was interesting about it is the t- what. That this got reported on more than every other uh, essay. It got reported on by, by mainstream media, uh, ABC and the Washington Post and and these major publications. 
uh, all did. I, I think what it did, what it really did is it got picked up by the AP, and all these major publications were were churning it out. And the spin that it put on it was Mormons no longer believe that you can be you can they can get their own planets. <laughs> and, no, and that's, that's I found so interesting. And that's not what it says. So no. they have, the Mormon Church has absolutely won the PR battle on this essay, whereas they got raped on the. Uh, <laughs> You know the the racist the the racism one or the the blacks and the priesthood one. This one they've won because they've said nothing. They've not backed off anything, but yet everybody has basically said, "Oh, Mormons no longer believe that that they will get their own planets," and that's not what it says. Well, it, it calls out it 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 says that that was a misconception that it's a misconception out there that Mormons get their own planets. Yeah, and they call it a caricature, but a caricature, yeah. A caricature is what? It's a it's a it's an accentuating real features. So I thought feel, it was use that term. Yeah, well, and it's also a simplistic way of looking at it. You know, we get your own planet. Okay. Uh that's not quite true. You get your own universe. <laughs> you know, so uh it it's uh How did you view well, that though? Like like when you were a believer, did you really think that you would get your own universe or that you would be that, that you'd all be building different things in the same sandbox, or you know, like how, how did you how did you view it? Well, they, they well they say that Elohim uh, has uh, worlds without number, and I remember being taught the doctrine that uh, Jesus Christ was a savior of many other worlds too. But our world was so evil that he chose our everything's so egocentric in Mormonism that uh, he had to come to our planet to get killed because our planet was the only one. Evil that was enough evil to enough to kill their yeah. own god, and uh, and so if if Elohim, who I can become, you know, uh, has all these many many worlds that he is a god over, and I become a god like him, that's how I envisioned it. I would have many many worlds, and I'd have to send my only begotten son. Did you picture that you like lived uh, like like that Elohim? lived alone or that he like lives in this thriving civilization with other god equals and they just like okay i'm leaving to work and they take you know the intergalactic subway or whatever to their <laughs> universe and they start building or i mean like did you, did you take, take it that those, far no you can't take those beliefs that far because then it causes cognitive dissonance because <laughs> it's like oh well, once you take the it? reason the reason i ask it like that those in the essay framed it this way is that that we would always have Elohim as our God that we worship and right. that we would live together as a family, you know, because, and we've got this in the doctrine that we will inherit the earth in its uh, celestial glory. You know, it'll be well, turned into a Urim and Thummim. We'll, we'll all live here. Right. What I remember I, on this doctrine, I, I actually loved it when I was a member. And actually, yeah. even now, I'm going to say it's the best thing Mormonism has. And it's the only one. It's the only heaven that makes sense. Yeah. I think the Christian heaven really sounds horrible and just, just, ah, just very one-dimensional and uh, just real trite. Whereas I always thought this made sense that you'd become a god. And how I was taught it, I think an institute, and this really resonated with me. And I used to teach this to other people: is you know, I I aspire one day to become um, a father like my dad. But when I – and I will be like him. I will, I will have my own kids and I'll be married and, and I don't have that now. But once I, once I accomplish that, 
he then no longer is just a father, but is a grandfather. And his father is a great-grandfather. So any glory I get in my kids or what I do in my life only adds to his glory. So he always is one step above me by virtue of what I do. And that's exactly what happens with God. If we become gods, then he becomes grandfather God and then great-grandfather God. And he's always kind of got this... Pyramid scheme. It is. A, it's a... It's a major pyramid scheme. But to me, that made sense that you'd be doing something if, if you're in heaven or in exaltation or whatever, that you'd be creating and living and growing and progressing. And the only way you can progress is by, you know, having celestial sex and building spiritual babies. Yep. I agree. You know what I found interesting I, and a little troubling, uh, to be honest, that, that in 1832, when Sidney Rigdon and, and Joseph Smith had that shared vision that I, I don't remember which section of the Doctrine and Covenants it is, but it, at the time it was just called the vision. And, and this is where the theology for deification really started developing. And it was as early as 1832. And I find that kind of problematic because it's been it's been very convenient to me in this disaffected state to look at polygamy and you know the language that's in 132 about uh, you know continual seed and all that it's just you know th- this was a carrot that Joseph was putting out there to get women to marry him you know and and oh, if you do this you'll become like a god and especially since 132 is a was directed specifically to Emma Smith saying, if you don't participate in this, then you won't become a God. You're just going to be a servant and a, you know, forever. That, that totally makes sense to me. So it always seemed like this deification thing was just to support polygamy, but going back to 1832, I don't know that kind of, that kind of complicates that for me a little bit. No, I don't think that's inconsistent because Joseph Smith was starting to contemplate at least polygamy back then so well, I, I, I think yeah, they're kind of connected there was the fanny alger thing but i don't i mean it it, it it seems like it developed as an independent um belief and an independent thing you know because they could they could preach pretty publicly uh you know you'll become like your father in heaven like and that's what this means we're becoming like god even even before it got really specific like in king Follett, and we can talk right. about that too but well the, but then it got tied in with polygamy you look at these these scriptures in the Bible, and you have some what appear to be pretty overt references to that, which is the, the joint heirs with yeah, Christ and, right. and those yeah. things. So even back then, I think Joseph, Joseph could look at that and be like, you know, look at those verses and say, okay, this means that. And, and he always had kind of a he's a little more aggrandized than than the Protestants at the time. So it doesn't surprise me. But again, it's not. I've never found it offensive to say you can be. Become a god, become like God. You're eternal. You're um, all powerful. You know, you have some of these, all these attributes of God. What are you then? You're, you are God. Yeah. Well, that's one thing this article tried to do is like show that early Christianity because you know it, it right. plays into the apostasy narrative. Look at all these uh, early Christian fathers from the first couple of centuries after Christ. Um, Joseph Smith uh, is more in line with them. And uh, but really, uh, like Matt said, those verses are in the Bible, so it's it's not remarkable that Joseph came across those verses in Psalms and Romans and other places uh, that seem to allude towards deification and came up with his own conclusions. 
So is, is there any language like this in the Book of Mormon at all? Because I, uh, you know, I've, no. I've always been interested to look at no. the evolving doctrines in Mormonism, and it seems like the Book of Mormon is very, very Protestant, Protestant, yeah. Trinitarian, um, and this deification thing wasn't wasn't there. But I don't. I mean, I don't know. I haven't looked that closely. You know, I think the Book of Mormon. If you you can really sum up the Book of Mormon's doctrines as as having one goal, and that's reconciling. The debates in the um, of the day, <laughs> yeah, the, the debates that they were having at the revival meetings. That that really at, doctrinally, those that's all the Book of Mormon does is is basically take a side uh, in in that in those debates. Hey Bob, go- you still there? Who? Bob, you've been quiet for a long time. Yeah, are we boring you? No, no, I'm, I'm just waiting for a good moment to jump in. I, am I? Right. It's well, my nice Thomas, here. Hey, wait, well, Tom is going to say something. Oh, I just go, Tom. Go, Tom. See how you're doing. <laughs> that was the best and most smooth transition we've had yet. Uh, but <laughs> editing, that's what editing's for. Yeah. <laughs> I want to go back to the Bible because in the sec in the second section of this quote essay or article that the church has on their website it says, "What does the Bible say about humans' divine potential?" And then, obviously, you know, as we were talking about, there are some references in the Old and New Testament about you know, you ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High, and whatever. But the last paragraph, it says, these passages can be interpreted in different ways, yet by viewing them through the clarifying lens of revelations <laughs> received by Joseph Smith, Latter-day Saints see these scriptures as straightforward expressions of humanity's divine nature and potential. The clarifying lens of revelations received by Joseph Smith. Right. That's Meaning, yes, we are literally going to be gods. Yeah, so, so I, don't, I don't understand why these the, whoever the AP article was that says that Mormons have distanced themselves from this doctrine. Who who's reading this and how did they interpret it that way? Well, they well, don't understand Mormon doublespeak, <laughs> so that's what uh, they got. Uh, well, and maybe they got bored because it's long. Well, and they they do quote uh, President Hinckley's uh, was it the nineteen ninety seven reporter yeah, thing the, where he yeah. he went he went all vague on it. But they they edited that they they just took they took one line that he said and then another line that he said and ignored the part where he said oh I don't know that we teach that I know we don't emphasize it they didn't include the I don't know that we teach that yeah, yeah. I wonder wonder what the motivation there was what do you think <laughs> I can't dude I'm so lost every because they quote so, that and then they quote the uh, the couplet from Snow was it Snow who did that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what, what they did is they. It is a prophet, Hinkley's. by the way. But they always say he. When he said that, <laughs> yeah, right. he wasn't a prophet. Right. Yeah. Well, Sorry, they edited. You say, to, well, they edited the Hinkley interview to make it sound like uh, he didn't backpedal, but he right. did. It was they. They basically took that thing way out of context and rewrote what was actually what actually occurred in that interview. It's bullshit. Oh, absolutely. Here, so here's what it is. President Gordon B. Hinckley told a reporter in 1997, that gets into some pretty deep theology that we don't know very much about. When asked about this belief in humans' divine potential, President Hinckley responded, well, as God is, man may become, we believe in eternal progression very strongly. Bullshit, dude. That's not what he said. And this is what pisses me off about the church, is they are so intentionally misleading. 
And, and to do this and to quote him out of context as if this is what he said is absolute bullshit. But I think there were two um, interviews and there was one with the San Francisco Chronicle or something that that I, I, I mean, I'm, oh, so I'm, this is, you think it's that one rather yeah. than the uh, the other one where he says, I don't know that we, I think right. the quote is. I don't know that, I don't we, know teach that, that. we teach that. I know we don't emphasize it. Yeah, uh, yeah. There, there, there was one he did. I think it was the San Francisco Chronicle, and it it was just a written interview. And you can you can search for it and find it. And I, you know, I, I because I was looking for this when we were doing something a couple of weeks ago. I was trying to put yeah. something in for it and uh, came across it. And I did, you know, he he very emphatically said that the first part of that. You know, uh, God being a man, we don't really know. That's like deep doctrine. We don't know. Not much has been revealed about it. But uh, what's a prophet for, man? (laughs) Yeah, really. really. No, but I I mean, to me, it was honest. I I thought it was. I thought it was honest. And he didn't. He didn't shy away or equivocate from becoming like God. And he said, "We very much believe." that you know in, the, no, you're, in eternal you're right. progression so so the and that was what was being referenced in the essay it wasn't the one with uh but, I, I don't know if it was 60 minutes or if it was uh the other guy i don't know but that's the part that mainstream christianity has always had a problem with it wasn't the becoming like god's part it was the god was a man yeah that's to them that's really had a problem with. Yeah. you don't think it's both parts of that no because i think when you explain it to them and, and I used to do this on, on the mission. Say, well, wait a minute. When you die, what what's going to happen to you? And you walk them through, and they say, well, I'm going to be, uh, you know, I'm going to live forever. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I said, well, then what are you if not a god? I said, why are we getting caught up in, you know, semantics of of, of you being offended? Um, you know, when what we're doing is talking about the same thing, and you know, and you go through the Bible, children of God becoming like God. What does errors, that even mean? You know, joint errors, and right. usually they'll they'll buy. Well, you guys believe you're going to have a planet, and it always goes to that. But uh, it's but even really, even this idea that God was once a man. I mean, like honestly, we don't ha- we don't really have that anywhere i mean there, there's the king Follett is kind of uh contradictory on it because on the one on the one hand it says that right. he was the greatest intelligence of all of the intelligences at the beginning and he just kind of rose to godhood because of his imminence and he looked out and he saw the rest of the intelligences and he's like let me raise them up but then he also says there's something in there about how uh you know jesus only does what he his father he saw his father do ahead of him you know right. so you can make some inferences from that but yeah, that was the, Truman Matz, and I think that really advanced that. Well, inferences, only- though, if you find if you follow the line of thinking there, Glenn, it just makes sense. Like, well, if he was a man like us, then he was, you know, yeah, and then we're going to become like them, him, or whatever. And then it it's just easy to speculate. Well, right. okay, so who is God's God, and who is their yeah. God? Blah blah blah. Well, like in Matt said, the grandfather and the great grandfather. I mean, it it it, it makes sense from that perspective, but I I can't fault. Hinkley for saying that not much has been revealed. We really don't know that much about it. When really everybody's doing are making inferences and suppositions from this one yeah, but, but comment. On the on the other side, he is the prophet of the church. He could just ask. Shouldn't he be able to get the information instead of saying I'm not really sure? He's the prophet. He's the mouthpiece of the Lord for crying out loud. Divine revelation beaming through his head. I don't think he even claimed that. He like well, when he was talking about divine revelation, he's like, We built this conference center. He built a big building. <laughs> he was honest. What an amazing revelation this Isn't was. It wonderful? It served so many needs. Isn't it wonderful? Uh, right. And the and the other revelation was they started building smaller temples that yeah. weren't open as often. Oh now, my I, gosh. I think if you start thought? 
I, I think if you start getting into Adam God and the things that Brigham Young taught about Adam God, that's when you start getting into the, like, God was a man part of it. And, and uh, you know, maybe right. Wilford Woodruff Absolutely. was, was it Wilford Woodruff? That, that, uh, Lorenzo that coined, Snow. Lorenzo, it was Lorenzo Snow. Snow. So, so that Lorenzo Snow was kind of responding out of that tradition when he coined that, that couplet. But I think you're right. Yeah, well, w- one thing we got, I definitely want to talk about is the Heavenly Mother section. Because uh, to me, that was totally disingenuous as well. What? Uh, yeah, well, they're, they're, they, uh, they act like um, it's a, a well-known, talked-about thing that we have a Heavenly Mother. And then they quote the only reference we have anywhere, which is <laughs> Eliza R. Snow's song, <laughs> yeah. Oh My Father. And they actually quoted a hymn. It's like the fourth verse, for Christ's sake. And, uh, it, it, but, but you know what? <laughs> it was important. It would have been in the first hymn. <laughs> well, it would the have first been, verse. <laughs> it wouldn't have been in a hymn written by, uh, you know, a woman without the priesthood. <laughs> oh, come on. I, I but, think you're but, trying no, no, too no, no, hard no, to find I'm, fault no, no, with no, this no, thing. No, 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 no. God damn it. Let me finish, Glenn. <laughs> but you try to preach Heavenly Mother in church and you see what fucking happens. You see what happens. Wow. Okay. But seriously. But, uh, oh, okay. I'm sorry. Well, let, try, let me know when you're finished. They try to in this article make it sound like it's it's a, a you know some wonderful amazing revelation of Mormonism that there's a heavenly mother. Yet in practice that shit is oppressed. I, because the know, last thing they want is for you to pray to your heavenly mother. <laughs> right. I, I think it's it an to go from, getting into polygamy. I'm, uh, I'm it goes into feminism and all that kind of stuff. No, uh, I'm saying it goes to polygamy because you can't talk about heavenly mother without necessarily crossing over into Mormons believe in polygamy ultimately doctrinally. When you get into heaven, it's got to be polygamy. So which heavenly mother? Is it yours? Is it mine? Is it ever, you know, which, which sister mother in heaven is it? I once heard a missionary uh, say that uh, Heavenly Father has many wives, and each race, uh, that's why there's, there's many different races. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a black wife, an Asian wife. Gosh. Oh, that's, that's a nice picture that's being painted there. He's got yeah. a couple of different Asian wives, because they're not all the same. Uh, they all look the same to me. Yeah, nice. But, but yeah. like, I took, I took away from that Heavenly Mother section just the reinforcing this parents model that that mormons believe in heavenly parents and that includes heavenly mother and they just had a few lines about her in that one paragraph they didn't go into a lot of detail about it they certainly didn't open up the door to pray to her or make it sound like mormons pray to her it was just that mormons believe in heavenly parents and they believe that the family is a model for what happens in the eternities i don't see anything crazy or blasphemous about that why can't women pray to their heavenly mother what, what does that have to do with this essay? <coughs> I'm, uh, well, that's, this is a really important topic for Mormon feminists that stay in the church. Uh, they, they, it, it baffles me because it's like, come on, it's all bullshit. You know that. But they, <laughs> uh, they, they, stick, they stick to this heavenly mother as their, you know, the, the thing they want to worship. I think, if, I think if, if women in private pray to heavenly mother... They're, they're welcome to, but in public, then they start ruffling feathers, and you're asking, why does it ruffle feathers? Because it's, yeah. a, it's a backwards patriarchy. Geriocracy. <laughs> I mean, you really don't know that? What was that, what was that word again? <laughs> patriarchy. Randy. Randy. I'm trying to channel my Tom. Yeah. <laughs> we all know that the Holy Ghost 
is our heavenly mother. That the what? that the yeah the comforter. See, so you've got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost is the mother who can still be protected, her identity, because nobody blasphemes the Holy Wait, Ghost. Are you, pulling this, out. Are you, you know pulling this out not? of your ass? Where, where is this coming you from? You haven't heard this? Oh, I've heard it before. No. I've heard nope. it before, but it's, it's not true have. because the Holy Ghost doesn't have a body. Exactly. Yeah. And Heavenly Mother has not got one. a body. She's got a, <laughs> she's got a celestial vagina. Oh, my Smoking. God. Oh, Ray, Randy. <laughs> is she a human? Is she female? She's got a vagina, and it's it's uh, glorified and eternal. So my theory, <laughs> my theory is that the problem here is that Mormonism has too many things that are very literal and logistically organized and structured in such a way that the Mormons are already wired to to extrapolate and understand how things work in a structured fashion. So I'm thinking of tithing and the word of wisdom and a lot of doctrinal components that you live every day that are very prescriptive so that what that ends up doing is ruining the more nuanced um, scriptural references to these you know fluffy things about what heaven really is and heavenly mother because i think i think that there's a conflict here because mormons love the the exclusivity and and this the interesting doctrines that only they have but then they're at odds with each other because there's the logistical stuff in the here and now. And then there's the like fluffy stuff, which you're not supposed to take to the next level, even though you have to take the logistical stuff to the next level just to live life as a Mormon. So those two are at odds with each other because then we, we take the way we pay tithing and live the word of wisdom. And we use that same methodology in our head for figuring out how we're going to live after this life, because we're all about how things impact us, in the here and now, and then we want to know how they're going to impact us later, right? But then we can't do that because we're supposed to just stay one one step removed from actually answering questions other than heaven is great and we become like God, and that's it. Yeah, and if you try to delve too deep in church, it's like, oh, this isn't pertinent to our salvation, and they always pull you back and reel you in. Right. Even in high priests, even in high priests, man, it's like, well, let's let's talk about something interesting. It's like, oh, you know, if, if the bishops in there, one of the members of the stake presidency was in high priest group, he'd be like, uh, I think I think we're getting into areas that we shouldn't talk about. Let's uh, let's stick to the things that's, that are pertinent. So did you guys get the King sense Paul? that that's what this essay was doing, that it's like, because there's, there's a common criticism against the church today that we've distanced, or that they've distanced themselves from the deification doctrine. But to me, with this essay, it was saying, oh no, we're not distancing ourselves from deification. We're going to clarify what it means, but you guys feel free to talk about this because this is one of the distinguishing characteristics of Mormonism, and it's wonderful. Yeah, I, feel, I felt like they were putting the ownership on the members. For I mean, like in the uh, how do latter Latter Day Saints envision exaltation? At the very end, it says Latter Day Saints' doctrine of exaltation is often similarly reduced in media to a cartoonish image right. of people receiving their own planets. A cloud and harp are hardly a satisfying image for eternal joy. Although most Christians would agree that inspired music can be a tiny foretaste of the joy of eternal salvation. Where does it say? Likewise, while few Latter-day Saints would identify with caricatures of having their own planet, most would agree that the awe inspired by creation hints at our own creative potential in the eternities. 
So I felt this, like they were turning that on the members. Like they can have this idea or a caricature of having their own planets, but that's not from us. We never told them. Big really? Bad. That's what you thought that was doing? That, that's what I thought. I huh. thought it was kind of a wink, wink to the members. Like this is an inside joke. You all get what we're saying, but let's pretend that we aren't weird anymore. Let's pretend that we don't believe in planets. But what this means is exactly what Andy said. It can even be more. Not only will you have a planet. But you, too, get to have celestial sex. And I know that sounds really cynical, but that's exactly how I read it, that it really seemed just kind of tongue-in-cheek, wink-wink to the members, saying, we all get this because we're insiders. You're in. You're in on the joke. And that's that's why all of the the secular people that reported on this didn't get it. They didn't get the wink-wink. They don't understand. uh, I don't get the the wink-wink. No, it's because it's a double standard. Because read the first sentence of that paragraph. It says right here, since human conceptions of reality are necessarily limited in mortality, religions struggle to adequately articulate their visions of eternal glory. That's like bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. No, it's not. No, yes, that's, it is. that's exactly what Randy said earlier, that you can't like go into the specifics of imagining what heaven is like with a subway system because then it, it just seems absurd. That's the, but, that's the mortal limits but, of imagining the eternities. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's that's the, the the point is is that Mormonism controls you so specifically in key areas, and then says, "Please stop! Don't get specific in these other areas. We're going to tell you, you know, in the scriptures based on Revelation, don't have sex before marriage. Pay us ten percent. Don't drink alcohol. Very, very specific things, and then." And then you get stuff like, well, what happens in heaven? Uh, what does it mean to become like God? Oh, well, let's quote some fluffy scriptures and talk about caricatures because when you use the word planet, it's a caricature. But when you say things like worlds without number, because it's a scriptural reference, all of a sudden it's beautiful and so different. It's the same bullshit. And it's like, you can't have it both ways, Mormonism. You can't, you can't tell me what I can and can't do with these doctrinal, doctrinal points of alcohol, sex, and money, but then... Like on the reward side, keep it ambiguous and tell me like I can't think certain things beyond a certain point because I'm mortal and I can't, I can't really go into that area while I pay you money and don't drink and don't do things because of you at the same time. All right, <laughs> I'm, I'm off I'm my soapbox. Yeah, but it's like there. it's like the of course the God Makers is a ridiculous uh, characterization of what what the doctrine is, and anyone who's seen it will will know that. You got God walking down there, you know, with the porn music in the background to bang Mary. <laughs> it's and a horrible, horrible. So of movie. course it's horrible, but but it rings of truth. It's yeah, that's that's a bastardization of it, but you know, it's gonna be much more pure and beautiful like that. But you gotta read the next paragraph, uh, where where they're supposedly backing off it. It says Latter day Saints tend to imagine exaltation through the lens of the sacred in in mortal experience. They see the seeds of godhood in the joy of bearing and nurturing children and the intense love they feel for those children. So they're immediately talking about how exaltation equates to having kids. So what, if, if that's what's related, of course this idea of populating your worlds and your universe with spirit children uh, makes sense. But so they the, also... So but they say switch. they say they see the seeds of godhood like it's like it's the members that are doing this. That's the part that that's where I feel like they're putting the blame or the responsibility on the members. Like they're thinking this way. See, I don't see I, this I, as I blame know. or responsibility, Tom. I I I see it as very empowering 
to the members. And that like, like this is the church coming out and saying, hey, the rest of the world, we're not as weird as you think you are. Our members aren't as weird as you th- you think they are. Look at how normal they are. Look at how awesome they are, that they just love their families. And they just think that the love that they have for their families is going to continue in the eternities. Duh. Why, why is that such a weird thing? So like, if I, like I said, if I was a member, like a believing member and read this, I would think, yes, they've got my back. That's exactly well, what I think about this. And, and it's, it's, you, I'm they, not here weird. again. This is the spin, and this is the, the cutesy little wordplay that they do, is they say it's not about getting your own planet. It's what you said, Glenn. It's about having these relationships span beyond it. So the planet, the, that's, just a, that's just a field. That's just a mechanism in order to ha- facilitate these relationships. Sure, 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 you get this planet, but it's not about getting the planet. It's about having these relationships. Well, and I, th- and- like I think about my cousins that are still very active and very, you know, like very into the TBM thing. They're, they're not thinking, oh, man, I can't wait till I get my hands on a planet. They're thinking, I want to be with my family forever. Sure. Well, and here, this this speaks to what you you were saying, Glenn, is, uh, again, in that same paragraph, uh, as the scriptures teach, that same sociality which exists among us here will exist among us there. Only it will be coupled with eternal glory, which glory we do not now enjoy. So we do get up. We go to work, we wave to our God neighbors, and we all go to the plant where we start creating things and sending them down to other worlds. So we are going to have that same thing, that the same society here, just like you described. Yay us. Yeah, but the, <laughs> the, the, the dark side of all that flowery stuff that you guys are talking about with relationships um, that won't be like even thought of by a secular reader, uh, reporter, and whatnot is what happens to the relationships here when somebody disaffects. And that's the dark side because well, even, now even, you got you your even family. To, you don't go even ahead. have to go to the dark side. Um, just think about, let's think about the light side logistically. Like, honestly, how is that even going to fucking work? How are you going to live eternally with your family in this state of, are, are we all adults? Are we all middle-aged? Are we all like, do I have my kids? Do my kids have kids? Do they have grandparents? Like, what? It doesn't even make sense. Do you guys ever think about that, though? It's like we're, we're all sealed to our spouses, but we're sealed to our kids, but our kids are then sealed to spouses. So what does, I mean, what does that mean? It just makes this, like, really complex, you know, and then, then we all have our, our own worlds without numbers. I mean, what, we do, do we have visiting privileges between universes? See, this is, this is the problem <laughs> that I have. If you follow the line of thinking like you're saying, Randy, it, it just automatically – your brain goes to, okay, so where do we go from here? What's going to happen after this? So like what you're saying, Glenn, like you can stay in this little myopic worldview of thinking, well, I don't know. I guess we'll just put a big question mark there and we'll figure it out then. I think it's just natural for people to think, well, I I guess I'll become like a god and then I'll have polygamous goddesses and then then i'll populate all these planets just like our god does and and they'll report to me just like i report to my god and blah 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 i don't know but but forever hey. you'll you'll always be worshiping elohim and right it's like, and elohim is forever worshiping whatever was before him right. and then it's then it's turtles all the way down hey if, when 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 we become gods what do you think the refractory period is going to be like it's gonna be like nanoseconds I don't think there is refractory period. I think that's a that's a function of a mortal penis. That's pretty awesome if you think about it. Yeah. 
Men can actually have multiple orgasms, I bet. Some, uh, I had like I think it was a seminary. Don't picture. groan can, can, like can that. I, can Glenn. I give like the Glenn. Tom groan? Uh, don't groan for real. You know you're thinking it. Come on, Glenn. You talked about it at the no, you beginning. Know what, you that know what this I'm is thinking? all about sex. You well, said it was all about sex, thinking, and then we start talking about sex. Are, are we gonna? Are, are, are we not gonna be able to like just fall asleep afterwards in heaven? I mean, come on. Isn't that the best part? Oh, kidding. dude. Good point. Good point, Glenn. Jeez. Like you're thinking about no refractory period. When are we gonna rest? Maybe that's I, I what Joseph a, Smith meant when he came back to Brigham Young and said, "Yeah, there's no time to rest." You just don't <laughs> understand. You don't, yeah, right. You the just don't get about it, that afternoon yeah. nap. Yeah, you just don't get it, Glenn. I, a, a celestial uh, glorified body doesn't need rest. You're not going <laughs> to feel tired. You're not going to have a well, need for sleep. Well, so I guess that begs the question: because why do we need polygamous wives? Because they're probably gonna, not going to need nine months to develop a spirit baby. So, what, so why do we need so many polygamous wives? Can't we just, you know, bang, no, boom, Tom, pregnant, delivery, Tom, boom, but boom, but it's for the it's for the different races. Is to oh, have yeah, like racial. Right. Yeah, right. you got to have an Asian Oops. heavenly. Wife. But what what is the what is the average gestation period for a spirit? And does a spirit does a spirit uh, stay in a uterus or is it? Some yeah, other do mechanism. The, do we get to cut the spiritual umbilical cord when because we're the fathers and all that? <laughs> See that you That's guys are using like cords. You're, you're you're using all these secular words and exactly. scientific things. Right. Like you need to stick with like metaphors and yeah. th- saying things that are more fluffy and talking yeah, about the moon big. and the stars. So you're saying no, like those amazing bowel movements that you have on Earth. You don't get. To I do know. Those I, it seems like we've reached the end of that. this uh, this segment. <laughs> Is there I any, I mean, seriously, we're like really stretching now. We're talking about bowel movements and gestation or refraction. Is there, does the woman give out a spiritual placenta after birth? Oh, boy. Yeah, what's spiritual afterbirth smell like? Oh, oh like, uh, it's like roses. But imagine, imagine, an, alternate, imagine an, al- an alternate re- uh, reality where Mormonism has the level of specificity with tithing in the word of wisdom but for heaven and heavenly mother and then tithing in the word of wisdom are characterized and talked about in hushed tones in very ambiguous terms like heavenly mother and and heaven are talked about now like just flip those around and just try to like imagine how would that how would that be if all these questions you guys are joking about are actually answered and then when we talk about tithing it's like Oh, we really don't know. I mean, everyone contributes what they feel like. There's the the Lord uh, has a system. Um, everybody gives a little bit, but we don't really we don't really talk about it beyond that. Oh, and and uh, alcohol. Yeah, I mean that alters the state of mind. Read this scripture here about how uh, your body's a temple, and and it's like all super ambiguous, and there's no hard and fast rules. And then you get to like you get to heaven and heavenly mother, and it's like she has blonde hair, and in heaven, you know. In heaven, this is how sex is going to work, and it's just like totally like outlined for you. That's just what I don't get: is there's certain things that are so prescriptive and so specific, and then other things which are totally the opposite. You don't and get it. It's about control, man. It's well, <laughs> I get what, it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, there's actually a, a there's an interview uh, John DeLynn did with uh, Terrell Givens, which I don't recommend anyone to listen to. It's really hard <laughs> to get through. <laughs> Um, That's a glowing review right there. <laughs> no, it's it's not. It has nothing to do with John. It's just Terrell Givens is infuriating. Um, but he had this like uh, zinger to a Christian uh, colleague. Uh, Terrell Givens is a professor, uh, college professor, so he had a, a fellow college professor 
kind of grumbling at him, and and uh, he was like, "Well, what's your problem?" Uh, he says, "Well, you Mormons think that uh, uh, you're gonna have your own universe and yada yada yada." And he's like, "Well, what are you going to be doing in one billion years from now?" And he totally it was like a stump gotcha. Like the Christian had no answer. And to Terrell Givens, it was like, yeah, see, that validated his worldview. To me, it was like, yeah, you're both full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> you're just going to be playing harps on clouds, you Christian. Right. And so it's like, all you got is harps and clouds, buddy? Oh, yeah? Well, this is what I'm going to be doing in a billion years. And it's like, to me, it was like, oh, my God. It's like two nerds uh, talking about Lord of the Rings. And uh, nothing, you know, nothing they say really is real or matters. And, and but, that's that's what I'm left with is you had these Bible verses talking about heaven and doing their best to try to talk about eternity and these things. And then you had Joseph Smith just making shit up as he goes to come up with this idea of – and the King Follett discourse about becoming gods and people to run with it and try to reconcile everything. But at the end of the day, when you're dealing with bullshit, you've all, you, your hands stink. Well, that's the thing. You know, like they, they – they take these quotes from King Follett and they use it in this essay that make it sound great. Yep. But you yep. notice they didn't talk at all about the infants on thrones. Nope. Because no. like when I went through and I read the King Follett discourse for the first time and I saw these crazy things that he said in there just to, just to mollify the women who had lost children and to say, mm-hmm. you know what, ladies, you're going to be able to hold your children again in the eternities. And you will, they will come into your arms just the way that they left your arms. And they'll, you know, the eternities are filled with infants reigning on thrones that don't have, what was it, increase one cubit to their stature? I mean, like, this is, right. why is that not given the same weight as these other yeah. things that he well, says the, about intelligence and knowing the nature of God? See, I don't know if the council of the gods. This I don't know thing. if you guys if you guys thought the same thing, but as soon as I saw them quoting from the King Follett, I was like, I hope they understand the floodgates are just cracking open there. Yeah, because yeah. if people go down to the footnotes and like, oh, I got to read this King Follett. I don't know anything about it. I'm like, uh oh, yeah. <laughs> but they they count on people not doing that, and that and they don't. I mean, they they don't do it. Right. You know, and yeah. there's a you know, I love I love um, what's that Ricky Gervais movie, The Lie. I hated that. Uh, it you know, started out Glenn, okay, but then it I'm gonna, to help. Next time I see you, I'm just going to punch you in the face <laughs> for all these all these things. Ricky nah, Bobby. Not yet. <laughs> it's not funny. It's not funny. No. Well, no, I, mean, I mean, seriously. I think it's called he, he goes the art to, of lying. Is it the art of lying? Yes, the art of the lying. Art he, goes, of lying he goes or... to pick up, um, what's her face? Jennifer, Jennifer Garner, Garner. And she's like, she answers the door and says, I just masturbated. Okay, look, the art of lying, of telling the truth, doesn't mean that you say every single thing that pops into your head. <laughs> like, they right. mixed up philosophically what this thing was actually supposed to be about. And so <laughs> I've got valid reason for thinking that it was just stupid. Yeah, actually. <laughs> But there's one scene in it. The the movie movie was stupid. Like the 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 premise of it, it it missed its point of the premise. Like, uh, yeah, it was it was a bad movie. I I agree. I'm gonna have to risk Matt punching me in the face. No, no, no. I I agree agree with everything you said, but it has a couple very poignant uh, and 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 clever moments. And this is one of them where he just starts telling people shit that he thinks they would make will make them feel better. And and I remember watching that scene. That's Joseph Smith. And if you ever read anything that he does, whether it be the DNC and even the Book of Mormon, it's so self-serving. Oh, yeah. And when you read it that way, you just think, this is the the only way to explain this, is that he 
is telling people stuff that they want to hear in the moment. And people do that all the time. And con men do that in particular. Right. Yeah. And that's what he did here with the King Follett with exactly what yeah. Glenn was talking about. Right. Uh, yeah, there's these um, babies. You'll get your babies back too. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and, yeah. and what mother who has, who has buried a baby? I mean, is there a more horrific uh, experience to the human Right to the human experience than bearing a little tiny body yeah. that you love so much, and of course they're just going to eat that up. And and anything you say after that, you got them. Yeah. Yep. And Ultimate to comfort. make it less nefarious, this poor dude lost a ton of kids. Yeah. In some ways he's talking to himself, and so I do feel a little empathetic towards him, where he's saying, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I want my freaking kids back too." That's true. Oh, but you're giving him way more credit than I give him there. Like, to, to me, I think, yeah, he understood the psychology of it because he had experienced it himself and he had experienced it with Emma. But I don't think he really believed it. Wow. Oh, yeah. come pretty, on, I don't, No, I don't think he really believed that. Well, you got to think about when the King Fallout discourse was given. It was three months before he got killed. He knew the heat was turning up and he was making himself a general and kind of going a little bit crazy and 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 some of his closest i mean his first uh counselor william I, law turned against him and he, well, he but he wanted he wanted women to like him randy so not, you're gonna not you're gonna that, say but, something that you're gonna get in good with the the mothers that have lost children in there so when it's time to come and console them you know with the angel and the oh. flaming sword come on <laughs> why because his oh. pot belly isn't gonna do it for him yeah. not at this point but. Do you ever wonder that that was just a reference to uh, his STD, STD-filled wiener? <laughs> Do you what? think he really had an STD? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I have no idea, and I won't even <laughs> Sorry, that cracked me up. Jeez, that cracked myself I think, up. Yeah. I, think it's re- I think it's remarkable, though, that of all the relationships Joseph Smith had on the sly that uh, they still can't find any proof or evidence or DNA uh, verification that he fathered any children outside of them. Sw- slow swimmers, dude. That's, that's yeah. pretty easy. Dude, the guy, the guy had a tough time impregnating his own wife, man. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he did eventually, but I mean, uh, the guy was notorious for having... <laughs> he was notorious for that. <laughs> that's the way they introduced him in, like... <laughs> <laughs> aren't, aren't you guys kind of like I don't know if you guys ever do this but like just go go back as a TBM and think about how uh, uh, revered and almost deified Joseph Smith is I mean you got that picture uh, where he's kind of looking off to the right and he's just like the, you know, it's a really handsome depiction of Joseph Smith and, and they speak about him with such reverence and, and like he was so virtuous and, and uh, amazing and pure and then juxtapose that to you know the historical record. Do you guys ever go back and think about that and just get like the heebie-jeebies? Yeah, douche yeah. chills, douche chills. Yeah, the uh, I mean, like the Sacred Grove is like ultimate uh, a power play for that. Like if if you go into the Sacred Grove, you can go in that same area where Joseph Smith was. Like for reals, he was in there. <laughs> Not only you him, can go with, God was can, there. Jesus was there. Yeah. And if you and kneel, if that. you kneel down and pray, you probably won't have the same experience. But man, you Joseph know, Smith was there. You know what happened when I did that, Tom? I, I was I was in that cabin that was the Joseph. Smith house and I'm I'm standing up there in the bedroom that he shared with all of his siblings and I'm like wait a minute so this is where Moroni appeared and he didn't wake anybody else up 
<laughs> like, what's up with that? This is tiny. This is so small. Other people would have woken up and seen this guy. Oh, oh come on. Moroni put a spiritual cast a spiritual spell on them to to make them sleep yeah yeah for joseph's just, eyes only yep yeah just just like in the garden of gethsemane the 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 three of the disciples couldn't stay awake like how That's, did how did how did his brothers go like i think i would have noticed that joseph if <laughs> if like somebody showed up in the light of noonday like i think i would have woke up <laughs> but what if Moroni had the power of forgetfulness? You know, like the Men in Black little thing, like, but, and then they they like, forget everything. But for real, if you were the if you were Joseph Smith's brother, if you were Hiram, and he's like, yeah, last night an angel appeared in the room, you'd be like, what? Well, not only that, dude. Like, look at every picture of Joseph Smith and Moroni and that, yeah, that experience. He he's all by himself in yeah. his own bed. Yeah. He did not yeah. have his own bed. No. And he's got a pretty big room too. Yeah. It's like, wow, where where are all the siblings in this picture <laughs> he's got like a basketball poster on the wall <laughs> Dwayne wade yeah yeah i like magic johnson but hiram likes larry bird yeah all right yeah all right so have we have we killed the uh colob topic well, sure. uh, why do we call it colob because they didn't mention colob <laughs> yeah there there wasn't anything why did you want to talk about colob man you called it colob i did call it the colob well uh, i can answer that i i I think that speaks to the specificity versus ambiguity because Kolob, whenever it comes up, the secular world confuses it for the planet that Mormons believe God God lives lives on, on, which is totally inaccurate. Let me star. Sorry, Bill Maher. You're wrong, Bill Maher. It's it's so wrong. I mean, it's it's the closest recorded planet to where God lives. Get your facts straight. I thought it was the star nearest to where God dwells. The yeah, planet. I think that's God right. Dwells. I think it's it's a star. Star planet. It, it doesn't matter. It's just that God isn't on it. You know? Really? Once, Did you not watch once the Cosmos, a burning ball, Bob? I think it's a burning ball of gas. <laughs> you guys keep using your scientific bullshit when I'm talking about flowers and butterflies. Like, there's there's no distinction when you're using the metaphor terms, not the science terms. That's why I like saying things like world instead of planet, and uh, you know, blessing instead of whatever the hell that means, you know, because just all the spiritual words, you don't have to have anything behind it to back it up. But as soon as you start using things like star in the literal sense of what science has taught us as a star, then it starts confusing things. <laughs> all right. One, one last crazy speculation question. I got to know if you guys actually heard this or not, but I had the, I don't know if it was a gospel doctrine teacher, seminary teacher that said, um, in order for us to become like God, we also have to go through the process like what Jesus went through. So if you guys don't feel like you could go through what Christ went through, being crucified and scourged and all what? that, then it, maybe this isn't the path for you. That's fucked up. No? Am I, mean, I all there, alone there, there? No, but there is a, there, there's a, a theological like, question uh, in Mormonism. Was Elohim like Christ or was he like me? Uh, you know, was he a savior of another world or was he just a schlub like the rest of us? Well, yeah, because if there's, if there's like steps to becoming Elohim, maybe Jesus, because isn't that the question? Like, does Jesus become like Elohim as well and get his own planets? And yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. right yeah. now, right now, Jesus is on the side. You don't pray to Jesus. You pray you know, to the Father. And, and who answers your prayers? The Holy Ghost. Jesus doesn't do shit. Guys, quit Ouch. trying to answer things that we don't have answers to. Just don't drink coffee and pay me 10%. <laughs> Let's keep it simple. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we have answers to those ones. But these other things, you're killing me. You want to talk about things that 
are just too mysterious for the human mind to understand. Please don't but drink alcohol. It, don't have sex. Please pay Glenn. me. Glenn. <laughs> right. Hi. Glenn. Glenn. Hi. Uh, Hi. You, do, do you remember that, that uh, kind of uh, theological question of Mormonism? Uh, was Elohim like Jesus or was he like you when he was mortal? What are you talking about? I never, yeah, I never, never thought about that. I don't think I remember Glenn, that, dude. I never, I don't, I never thought Glenn, about Elohim and mortality. The, I never did. I don't, think you had, I don't think you had the same experience I had in Mormonism. As, no, I thought not. about it, Randy. I don't think that everybody so, has the same experience. Tom, People have different experiences. Tom, I'm going to go with that. Okay. So I'm just, I'm just trying to get an account of how many people actually thought of that question or had discussions with other Mormons no, about that question. No, Randy, the more I hear about your past experiences and the way you used to think, I think our, our experience is parallel for sure. And uh, just to add to that, um, narcissism always wins. So the, the narrative I always heard was, yes, God, of course, was a special schlub. And he did, of course, what Jesus did because it's our God. Now, if you want to talk about other gods and other paths and other worlds and other Jesuses, there's not much to say because they're going to be like on a different tier because we're talking about my Jesus and my God. And exactly. I'll be damned if it's not the best one ever. And yeah. most relevant. I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to pray to a guy who masturbated on his mission. I want to. <laughs> I want to pray to a guy who came down and was perfect and changed the world and got crucified and died for all of our sins. Okay, I think That's I, I think I understand God. what you were asking now. I didn't really. I didn't really get what you were asking. I, 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 when I used to think about was God the savior in his world. I, that seemed uh, kind of a stretch to me. Like the probabilities of that—that that he was <laughs> the savior and Jesus was the savior—and they both just happened to be in my line of divinity. You okay, know, I, you I want to talk probability about probability. Too. Yeah. What's the probability that this moment of time, out of the basis of all eternity, we existed forever before and forever after? But it's right now in this sliver which is inconsequential, except for that it's super consequential right. because it determines which heaven we go to. Uh-huh, exactly. What's the probability that that's the moment we're living right now? Yeah, right. No, I, 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 like I totally, I, I, as a believer, I thought it can't be all right now. There's got to be much more that goes on after we die. There's got to be progression between kingdoms. There's got to be more that Joseph Smith just didn't reveal that he gave like a, the, the groundworks for, but... Like this sense of urgency that we have to do missionary work, that's that's crazy. It can't all be about right. like right now in this moment. But but I remember I asked, uh, I think uh, Robert Matthews was uh, a BYU religion professor when I was there, and I took a class from him. He was one of the guys that, that did the, uh, uh, oh, what do you call the chapter headings in the, the Book of Mormon and the, the standard works. And so I thought, okay, this is going to be a really smart guy. And I asked him about this infinite atonement of Jesus Christ thing and, and said, so, cause I, I think we referenced this at the beginning of this conversation about, you know, Jesus atonement, uh, atoned for all of the worlds, but this was the wickedest one, you know? Right. And, and so I'm like, of course. I'm like, well, does that mean then that Jesus's atonement atoned for Elohim and like for everyone? Or does it just mean that there's like one plan that, that a God has that's like a finite group of people, and then they go through their elections, and there's a, there's a Lucifer, and there's a Jehovah figure, and then that Jehovah figure becomes the savior for that finite group of people, and you just keep doing that cycle over and over and over again. And he gave me—I was so disappointed in his answer because I thought I had figured it out. I thought, okay, yeah, there's, there's 
all these multiple finite plans, you know, like sands of the sea without number. But he's like, oh, no, it's just Jesus, and he's it for everything. I'm like, oh, so Jesus' atonement atoned for his father before Jesus was even born? Really? And, and, and then he gave me one of those the dismissive, yeah, well, we don't really know about that kind of stuff. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to read the chapter headings anymore because you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> not, not only that, but take the take – I remember imagining this. Like what if you were born on one of those other worlds and in your scriptures it says there was a guy on another yeah, world right. who died for your sins. Yeah, right. <laughs> that, Bullshit. Like, okay. That's why like, they, they were so much more righteous than us because they have more faith. It didn't even have, have to happen on their world, and they could still believe in him. Tom. See, but, but Tom, doesn't, <laughs> but doesn't that happen to us? I mean, like, it, as, as much as people might want to make fun of it, Jesus wasn't really American. Well, so he didn't. He didn't live in our land. He didn't live in our. He lived in another time and another place. He was, he was white, so he's sort of American. Well, he's well, been, I mean, he was kind of white. I mean, yeah. he's like Mediterranean. <laughs> but, how, but how different would it be if it was like if you were on one of these other planets? Because this is the way that I was taught it: that the other planets all know about each other and they all communicate with each other. There's twelve, by the way. There's twelve. How come we and don't know the 13th. about them. Then? Yeah, because we're uh, quarantined. We are. We're so evil. Like seriously, my dad was totally into this with my deacon's quorum advisor. Like they would go on walks through the neighborhood at night and speculate on this stuff. And he oh, he, he showed me he showed me these those. passages. And I know totally. He showed me these passages in the DNC, and I need to find where it was. But it's like this parable of Jesus being. Uh, it was like going to these different uh, vineyards. And there's there's twelve vineyards that he goes to, and he visits each one in the hour of their time. And then there was some like unpublished revelation by someone named Crowley, I think. And so they compared the DNC to this Crowley thing, and then something that Nibley wrote, and oh they're like, okay, gosh. if we triangulate this, what we learn <laughs> is that there's there's got to be a yeah, there's got to be something in there that there's twelve planets, and we are the thirteenth. And I'm like, yeah, that's in Battlestar Galactica. It's got to be true. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. So that's why, I mean, you know, like when you talk about what your experience with Mormonism was, Randy, and my experience with Mormonism, that that was my experience with Mormonism. It was this wonderful white board that you could be really creative on and go, okay, yeah, there's so much more that we can really understand. There's but more that you, hasn't been revealed than has been revealed. So what does but, that do for you? Yeah, I mean, you, but you couldn't really talk about that in church. I, no, you couldn't. You was, could. You could. Wait, no. There was you a could. mixed message there. I, I, I it was could. both ways. You could like you could talk about it in hushed tones. It was like it was like the Mormon version of being edgy. Is like you know, you you feel you felt like you were taking it to the next level because you were you were diving deep in areas that, you know, uh, it was almost like a, a personal revelation sort of tactic where we don't know the answers. It's not going to be official. Wink, wink. We talk about it when it's not in official forums. But this is the beauty of Mormonism. Yeah. Look how rich it is. And really, right. it's just like people making shit up on the side. It's not the beauty of Mormonism. It's just your own imagination because you're limited by Mormonism because it's just the boring shit every every Sunday after but, every whoa, Sunday. Whoa, whoa, whoa. But you're not limited by it if it's empowering you. If it's empowering you and encouraging you to use your imagination and expand beyond the current yeah. revelations, it, then it's it not really limiting. You, it empowers you the same way masturbation empowers you. You do it in a dark closet, you know, when nobody's looking. It's not something yeah. you do with other people. But, but Glenn, and you're asking uh, it alone. If you're doing all the work, then what do I need the church for? Oh, come on. <laughs> you can't compare it to masturbation. That's crazy. 
No, but Glenn, you're, you're I right. Wasn't though. Bob was. I, I was just saying you're the one. Your your dad and his friend were act, were actually creating this on their own. They didn't they, need the church. No, to they do weren't. This. They, they were, were they, this on their own. The, I I don't like my dad's not that creative. He, you know, he was he was discovering this in other places, and he was like really excited about it. But it like opened up new dimensions of Mormonism to him. Um, but he wasn't. I, I don't think that he was really all that creative in creating it. But it it just well, fueled that intellectual he had, side. He had the platform, like he, his starting point was uh, was the church, and then he would try to be creative from there. But every yeah. every word I've, I was in always had one or two guys that yeah. were. The, the guys that, uh, you know, read all the, the Skousen books and right. the Nibley books. And, and they were people that you could, like, you could go to, to to explore the deep doctrines with. But they weren't allowed to teach those things, in my experience, right. and gospel doctrine. Like, not, I had not, not only say. that, but let's, let's not forget that those guys had the whole aisle to themselves because nobody would sit by them. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> uh, that's true. Well, a lot of them were Cliff Clavin types, so they were probably socially... <laughs> Awkward anyway. Probably they were, there was probably some social awkwardness there. Yeah, but they, like Sunday school, they were just pariahs. <laughs> but but I mean I think you know if you think about my dad and then this this guy that he you know, that was my uh, deacon's advisor, they grew up in a time that like straddled correlations. So I don't think their yeah. experience of Mormonism was exactly the stifled experience that you guys are talking about. Yeah, they, I they were what, encouraged to do that. Yeah. I wonder what Mormonism is like uh, for like a, like someone in their early twenties. It seems like, like if only we had someone so... who fit that model who could actually be on this conversation <laughs> yeah, with us tonight. He, I, yeah, totally. Dude, I just think those guys are leaving in droves. I mean, that's my my anecdotal experience is the people that are in their in their young twenties that are just they're gone. And if they're not gone, they're such non literal thinkers. They don't really get into this weirdo. Uh, you know, trying to parse through doctrines and, and understand this stuff because they realize it's 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 not literally true. Yeah, I don't I don't know if that I don't know, but uh, uh, it'd be an, I wish I wish I I could know. I really I want to know, but there's no way to know. Do you feel like? Do you wonder if these old timers that do have the aisle all to themselves and like you don't want to be publicly friends with them, but they're like the, the secret people you go to, so to speak, to like have deep doctrinal discussions when you're bored. Like I had those people in my ward growing up and I'm wondering if they've, if they're like, they've died off or been totally discouraged to the point where it's just like a hundred percent whitewashed. And there, there is no one that you go seek out when you want to do, you know, what Glenn was talking about with his dad and his friends, probably when it was straddling correlation, there was a good half of the congregation could be in that category of, of you know, creatively coming up with pseudo-doctrine that, that extrapolates on the official stuff. And now it's just like, when I was growing up, it was one or two guys on the back row, and now maybe it's totally empty and it's total, just pure whitewash. <laughs> well, my brother-in-law's 50, and he's, he is one of those guys in your ward. <laughs> yeah, my, my older brother, my oldest brother fancies himself one of those guys. He'll still come up with weird, I mean, bizarre shit trying to i've told you guys his story about about how he reconciled blacks in the priesthood right go no remind me all right let me give it to you i'll give you the try to give you the reader's digest version would mike like it huh i no, i don't think so i think you, he'd be like that's not that's you, you've got to use at least two or three negroes for mike to like it <laughs> <laughs> but what was funny is my my brother always went tries to do the um 
he has he always tries to do the Socratic method, you know, where he's asking questions yeah. and will sit there and wait for an answer. The gadfly. But, it, but it's oh, an answer. Annoying. But it's an answer that only he's thought of. So it's not like, uh, you know, it's, it's these really vague questions like, the priesthood is what? Yeah. Right. And, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> God's power to act for man. Well, that's a true answer. But what it really is, you know, in his yeah, mind, right. it really is this obscure. Anyway, so he's doing this to me. That's so tedious, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, you have no idea. I, and I remember to this day just finally saying, you know what? Why don't you just tell me? Yeah, Why don't right. you lecture? <laughs> and so he's explaining how um, the the priesthood was lost uh, through Abel's Abel's lineage lost the priesthood due to Cain killing Abel. So that means what? Well, <laughs> <laughs> Abel. <laughs> Abel has to get the priesthood. His lineage has to get the priesthood before Cain's lineage is entitled to the priesthood. That happens where? <laughs> Stop it, man. I wish I could make that. I wish I was making that. Well, another, I'm going to put the mute button on. Planet. I said, wait a minute. It happens on another planet. So you're saying that at some point, Abel's posterity were put on another planet in the multiverse with and who? given the priesthood. Huh? With who? And then he pauses and you, then yep. that's when you bring oh, the lost yes. tribes. <laughs> and, and somehow this happened right around 1978 in our time. And so that's what now enabled the blacks to have the priesthood was because Abel's posterity got the priesthood on another planet. Wow. Is, oh my brother. God. Point out. Yeah. So the funny thing is, so I listened to this for a while. Did, did, does, does he go into the, and we know that the people of Enoch were translated to where? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so then I give it back to him right away. I said, um, well, that's an interesting theory. Um, how do you account for Elijah Abel? And he looks at me and he says, who now, what now? Yeah. <laughs> and I say, well, let me break this down for you. Elijah Abel was a 70. In order to be a 70, you have to have the what? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Anyway, so that, so my brother, who's 10 years older than me, so almost 50, yeah, still fancies himself, you know, this real deep scriptorian theologian, you know, on these real... Uh, deep waters of, of Mormonism. He, he's the one that it's not that big of a deal that he's in the bishopric and it's just not that big of a deal. That's, that's, that's true. Okay. <laughs> so let me ask you guys this. Is this, uh, maybe this is an inappropriate question, but um, how, do you, how do you respect or judge people? What's your hierarchy with like these two categories? Like the, the, the Matt's brother that's kind of in crazy town, but, you know, really taking Mormonism to the next level of inventing stuff all around him. Or the people, when you bring this kind of stuff up, they're really uncomfortable and they shy away from it. And they're like, dude, I I just go to church and, you know, I don't know. We don't have the answers. Because I feel like I judge them both pretty equally in different ways. And that's just an honest answer. But I'm wondering if if you guys, like, respect one version of, of, of crazy town versus another. Yeah, I do. If the guy, the guy is the second category that say, you know, I don't, it works for me. It works for my family. It's, I don't really know. I I dig that. If, If it works for you and that's what you know, and you really don't think that much into it and it doesn't it doesn't impact your life all that much. I, I got no problem with with those people. It's the ones who just work 
uh, and, and just tw- twist themselves up and not trying to, you know, use science to explain why, you know, God used other worlds to build this world, and that's why there are dinosaurs and this type of shit. This, I just well, have I, no patience for that. I take the opposite approach. I, I respect the people that try to make it work uh, and, and actually think about it because they're actually thinking about it. And uh, I respect the effort because I used to have my own theories about the Lone and Drury world and, and incorporating evolution into the Adam and right. Eve story. Uh, so I guess just because of my own experience, I respect the guys that try to that, that actually take the fucking doctrine seriously and try to make it all work with what they know in, in the world in, in today. The people that just like, hey, whatever, it's like I, I, I kind of lose a little respect for them because they're not taking their religion seriously, except in one um, area, socially. Right. The reason, I, the, the reason I don't is because those people who twist themselves up and not trying to explain everything, those are the people who will treat people poorly. Those are the people who will be racist and anti-gay and ultimately just treat people poorly, whereas the other people who are like, I don't know, I'm, doing, I'm just figuring out, trying to do my best. Those are the people who ultimately treat people well. Well, yeah, but you're conflating two things. Yeah, they they both treat... I accept that I am, but I think I'm conflating them accurately. They both... We're talking epistemologically, so go ahead, Bob. Yeah, I was just going to say they both treat uh, gays and and women and, you know, all the standard categories um, badly. It's just that one group does it uncomfortably and the other one, you know, goes the extra mile to justify how it all works out and it and it's not God being totally racist or whatever. But I, I mean, I, I judge them for different reasons because, um, I, I mean, I have friends and family in both categories and it's, it's interesting because those that are just not taking it, uh, you know, to the next level and are just kind of going in, uh, on the weekly, you know, church run and just doing it because it works for their family – they tend to be the more conservative ones where they don't, like just as a basic example, they won't watch rated R movies and it, and it bugs the crap out of me that they, they're like limiting their experience in life because like anything that comes from the pulpit over the pulpit or the standard morality lessons which are perverted in the wrong way to teach young women how to, you know, live their lives in an early age, they just take that all as like good advice. But then the ones that are like pushing the limits they see wiggle room. They, they'll go out and watch movies that I watch. They'll not subscribe to everything um, because then they'll parse things out as doctrine versus, uh, oh, that's just so-and-so's opinion. I'm not going to take what Boyd K. Packer said literally in that case. I mean, and they're doing mental gymnastics, but um, I, I respect them more for trying new things. But then I hate how they're channeling so much energy and passion in circles that's just all for nothing. And so, I, I don't know. I have problems with both. I, I I have a hard time respecting anybody that doesn't have kind of an edge to them. Like if 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 they don't if they're not kind of cynical about it in some way, and oh, like especially the 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 ones that are always trying to like find the silver lining, and they they won't acknowledge anything except that there's always a silver lining. And I don't know, right? There's you know, a that, reason for everything. Like, everything oh, happens for a reason. Oh, come come on. <laughs> You know, like like that the, they just get stuck in the metaphor about how you know the Book of Mormon has value. It has value. Like what? What kind of value does it right. have? Well, you know, it's just it's valuable. It's just like as a valuable metaphor of scripture. I'm like, tell me what it is. Tell me the value. Well, come on, we don't need to get. You know, I have a hard time with that. So I, yeah. I would I would have much more respect for them if they're like, eh, the Book of Mormon is a little crazy in some places, but there's some things that I like. I can let that go much easier. But then they're like, but let me tell you my theories on blacks in the priesthood. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, okay. That that may be a byproduct of the dad that you have, Glenn. <laughs> yeah. 
That could be a byproduct of lots of things. Yeah, lots of things. <laughs> Anyone for the closing prayer? <laughs> we all felt it. Thank you for listening to Infants on Thrones. If you could, if you could, like, be, um, become a god, just as you are right now, just like as a 10-year-old boy, and you would be a god, and you would live in the heavens, and you would sit on a throne, and you would Zeus. You'd be Zeus? So you'd be like the boy Zeus. Zeus is a boy. Well, I'd be like a 10-year-old boy. (sighs) Did you get a bloody nose today? Yes. Just a couple seconds ago. Did mm-hmm. Zeus do it? No. Okay. He doesn't control bloody noses. Who is the god of bloody noses? I guess Ares, because he's the god of war. Ooh, good one. Yes. All right. But I love you, Dad. All right. Love you, too, buddy. It's still going. I know. Sometimes when I came across the sign saying who are you and where are you from? We don't like business come who wants that math for say who says we read No such yeah my ass wiggin' low me One day I was tripping and that's when I could see